Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 59 of NerdPod Generations. My name is Steve Taylor, as always, and I'm here with the lovely Al Jetson. Hello, friends and enemies. Hi, man. How's it going, dude? Beat. What a day this was. It's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. It's It's the kind of week where I'm like, we just got done with the full week, mm-hmm. and I would usually be like, oh, weekend, yay, but I have a weekend packed with stuff yeah so it's just like do you have monday off do you uh, your yeah. office have juneteenth okay. yeah yeah That's so good. we we at least have that but yeah. we're gonna still be we're going to troy albany this weekend so that's gonna be awesome Super and fun. fun but uh it's also traveling and yeah all the fun that comes with that so at least you're gonna have beautiful weather for the travel yeah that should be good which is good it should be, be a little cool too which I, yeah. i'm excited for all right folks so there's our, our opening banter if you are unaware of who we are is first time listening to us we are nerd by generations we are a weekly podcast that delves into everything that has to do with pop culture comics movies tv video games you name it we talk about it um you can find us on apple Podcasts. Podcast, Spotify, pretty much any podcast site of your choice. If you are interested to see what we look like, go to YouTube.com, type in NerdPod Generations. We have a plethora of videos, and we have more to come. I know we, I have two more in the pipeline. Um, I have two more that I'm recording right now. I know you said you have the... I, I put up the Everything Everywhere all at once. You did put that up. Okay, And great. I did the uh, review for the Birdcage, the just birdcage. dropped this okay. afternoon. And then I have my... 20 minute Star Wars soliloquy. That's going to be edited on the ride tomorrow. I can't wait for that. That one's going to be pretty good. I think you might enjoy that too. You get kind of an understanding of my background with Star Wars. Your frustration. You know what? That's the best term for it. Thank you for being here to answer that. That's what it always is with nerddom. Yes. It's it's the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Very disappointed. I'm frustrated with your choices. We are parents. We're going to get into this with Miss Marvel because... I I still have some very serious. I th- there's this huge gap. Yeah. Between how I want to feel about this show and how I actually feel about this okay. show. We we are going to talk about that, folks. Yeah. And so what our show is entailing today, we are going to discuss um, episode two of Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. episode seven of Strange New Worlds. I think yeah. seven or eight. We're coming up on the end here. We're coming. We're getting close. Um, and then episode five of Obi Stank. I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we're going to delve into our infamous that we have been putting off for like two months. We're going to talk about James Bond. Yeah. Because Al finally got a chance to watch the final Daniel Craig movie, No Time to Die. Yeah. So now we're going to kind of talk about... I I have a little more of a history with James Bond because I've been watching them since the late 70s Mm -hmm. on VHS and all that. So I I have a very... Firm grasp on pretty much everything, James Bond. I know you're new to the franchise, but you've been catching up. You've been watching a lot. I've been catching up a lot. Yeah. I, I even went out. I got some. I watched some Timothy Dalton. It's so funny because, like, so we've been planning this episode. Yes. For literally weeks. Two months. I think two months. Yeah, I think about two months. Yeah. It keeps getting pushed back. So all the the research I did on James Bond, I did back in like <coughs> late March, early April, mm. and at the time. None of the movies were available on streaming service. That's right. And guess what? Just dropped on Amazon. James Effing All Bond. of the James Bond. Yes. So I'm I'm going to catch up on the other Timothy Dalton that I didn't get a chance to watch. Which one did you watch? Living Daylights or License to Kill? Uh, License to Kill. Okay. Yeah. That's so, the darker one. I do love Living Daylights, though. That one is a very yeah. good movie. Um, all right. So that is going to be our, our focus today, folks. Um, once again, if, you, if you're new to the show... 
This is episode 59, so please go back and listen to the previous 58 episodes because they are pure entertainment gold. And lately, we have had so much to talk about. We've been cracking near the two-hour mark the last, like, three weeks. And I don't know if that's going to change because next week, I can't remember what we're exactly we're talking about, but the week after, we're doing a double show just because one of them will play that week and one of them will play the first week of July because I won't be here. But those are going to be our Lord of the Ring and Hobbit shows, which are going to be marathon shows. I got to cram because I got to watch all three Hobbit extended editions because if I'm doing this, I'm doing it properly. You have to do it properly. There's there's no middle ground here. There's no middle earth here. Uh, There's there's just one way, and that is... Get it all done. Yep. And come in. And that way, I can say with a clean slate and a clean conscience, this kind of blows. Okay, we're going to say that. So we're going to start this show the way we start every show, which is what have we been watching, playing, reading? I'm going to start mm-hmm. because there is a show that I am passionate about. My wife and I, we love watching it. Did you ever hear of a guy by the name of Phil Rosenthal? Uh, no. He is one of the co-creators and head writers on Everyone Loves Raymond. Okay. Very funny guy. He has he started doing a food show on PBS years ago where he travels the world and eats and and like meets people. And now it's on Netflix called Someone Feed, Feed Phil. Phil. Yeah. They just dropped the fourth season, and let me tell you, it is one of the best food shows you can watch mm. because not only is he funny. But he finds these people in these cities, and he does it all over the world. He, this this past season, he did I think Maine, he did Portland, Oregon, he did um, Spain. He went to Spain, and he finds these people who are like either food critics or chefs in those cities, and they take them to the non-touristy places, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible. And you watch all this amazing food, and it's not one of those boring food shows because he's not a chef. He's a comedian, mm-hmm. and he's a comedy writer, and he just, like, jokes around and eats this great food, and his brother and some other people are part of the crew, and it's kind of sad, but the first few seasons, he would, at the end of the show, he would call home, and his very elderly parents, oh, and his wife is, um, did you ever watch Everyone Loves Raymond? Uh, I'm aware of it. Okay. The brother on the show... His wife on the show is Phil's wife in real life. Oh. Um, so, but he would call and he would talk to his parents and he would talk about what he was eating. And his dad would always tell a joke because his dad would always be around all these comedians. Well, I want to say it was early into season three, the, his mother passed. Oh. So he would call his dad and his wife would be there with his dad. And his dad would tell a joke. Well, in between three and four, his dad passed. I mean, they were like in their 90s. I yeah. Think. So this season, he calls a different comedian. Like one episode, he called Paul Reiser. Mm. Um, another episode, he called Brad Garrett and one. And, you know, the jokes are awesome because he has them tell the jokes for Max. He calls yeah. them a joke for his dad. Um, but the show is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. And the episode in Spain, my wife, I have a 20-year-old niece named Megan. My wife and I are watching, and he goes into this restaurant, and it's the father, the mother, and this 21-year-old girl. It is 100% the doppelganger, the Spanish doppelganger of my niece. <laughs> I even looked at my wife and I'm like, do you? She's like, that's Megan. Before I could even get the words out of my mouth. It looks so much like her that it freaked <laughs> me out. But that, you know, I, that takes away from the whole basic of what I'm trying to say is 
if you want an entertaining show, if you love food, if you're kind of a foodie, you got to watch this series. Two questions. Yes. Did you ask Megan if that was her? I did not, but I know it's not her because my niece has a co- cochlear implant. She has uh, um, hearing issues. Um, but she also goes to RIT. She yeah. does live in she's, Spain. She's and it was Spain. Spain in 2021. She wasn't there. Yeah. But it was definitely her. Yeah. yeah. Second question. In the, the vein of trying to be funny, is there an episode where Phil hasn't eaten in like 36 hours so like we're to the desperate point of like someone feed phil no. please feed in fact, phil most episodes he's he's not a big guy he's really thin mm-hmm. and there are some episodes that you could tell it's in one sitting and he is trying 50 different things and he wow. even says i don't know why i keep eating but it's so good yeah. he even said to this last episode he goes i can't stop even though I am insanely full, because everything I'm eating is the most amazing stuff I've ever ate in my life. Yeah, and it's yeah he I don't know, he never had that before. I think I think they're missing out on a desperation angle here. I think they of, might be too. Of just like Phil doesn't eat before he gets on the plane. Yeah, he gets on the plane. He does the entire trip, and then they don't record until the next day. Mm. And that's when Phil finally gets to eat. But that he has to still do the whole hosting and trying to be funny and everything. And he hasn't eaten in like a day and a half. And he's just just dying to get to dinner. That'll be the next series. That'll be his third series. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll say No One Fed Phil. <laughs> no One Fed Phil. <laughs> That'll be the name of it. But yeah, so if anyone gets a chance, Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil, cannot recommend it enough. It is, without a doubt, the best like travel food show I have ever seen. That entertaining. God, please someone feed Phil. Oh please God. So you've been watching there, fool. <laughs> other than James Bond. So I've been watching. Uh, I want to do a special shout out. I'm going to try and do a video on it this week. But uh, Young Justice Phantoms ended. It's uh, most that. recent season. Uh, and that is just so good. Mm. Uh, the the ending was uh, a little ahead you remember Castlevania? Yes. Where it ends and you're like, aw. And then Trevor comes back and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Yeah. There was a little bit of that because the, the second to last episode ends on this super cliffhanger where two of the characters seemingly die. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then it's like. It was a Chewie wasn't in that ship. Yeah. He wasn't in that ship. Gotcha. Yeah. As, <laughs> as uh, Nightwing uh, at, at the end of the episode, Nightwing sustains a traumatic head injury, and a bunch of Kryptonians are listening for his heartbeat, and they don't hear one. It's like, he's dead. And apparently, no. Apparently, he cuts his head, which is, in his words, an old wrestling move. And then he slows his heart rate, which to his explanation is an old Batman move. And I'm like, which it's a very ninja thing. It is. It is. I was just like, okay, all right. You got me all excited for like the entire week. I was like, is Dick dead? Is he dead? No, he's not dead. Which I got to say something. Mm-hmm. I'm very disappointed that they have not found a way in a live action movie to utilize Nightwing. I know. I know they would have to create a Robin. Nightwing is one of the best characters. You don't have to create a Robin. Here's the crazy thing. You could just have it be Nightwing, and then if you wanted to have there be flashbacks to him being Robin. Yeah. But you don't... Listen, we have two Batmans going on right now. Nightwing doesn't necessarily have to be either one of their 
Robin. I have something to talk about after you finish talking about your other stuff because yeah. I want to talk about something I heard. But I'm just like I agree. How yeah. do we not have a, a good Nightwing movie? Because <laughs> Nightwing is the best character in anything he's in. He's like a mix between Deadpool and Batman. Yeah, because he's wisecracking, but he is unbelievably and amazing. He has all this heart. He really, really deeply cares about everything going on around yeah. him, and he's extremely good at what he does. Yeah, every animated movie, he ends up being the one that saves Batman yeah. because it's like, oh, Nightwing shows up. Yeah. And he just saves everybody. And, like, what's one of the most dramatic elements of Apocalypse War? When we find out that Nightwing died and got thrown in a Lazarus pit and came back to life, but totally crazy. Yeah. And you have him in a straitjacket being cradled by Starfire, who has been apocalypse by dark side so now she's half robot and you're just like fuck dude like yeah. holy shit man yeah like god damn there are parts of that movie that are real depressing oh my god really depressing. holy shit holy shit you go on your thing what, what were you gonna talk so i'm excited about this if it's done right mm -hmm. is the news that the joker sequel <laughs> i heard this that has lady gaga as harley quinn which if it is a musical, mm -hmm. it could work, but it would. I it could be one of those quirky things that I am super curious about. I hated the Joker so much. Oh, see, I love that movie. I I hated it so much because I've seen Martin Scorsese movies from the seventies. Yes. So you know, I've seen this movie done better mm. by a more talented artist who was doing it as an original thing and mm. not as a cheap copy. I'm just going to be totally brazen about it. It's a total cop-out. Mm. He, he took like three Scorsese movies and he smashed well, them he together. he took De Niro and put them in it. Exactly. I'm surprised Pesci wasn't in it Exactly. Yeah. I was just like, wow, this is really brazen. You pretty much, they come as close to having him do Are You Talking to Me? as they can yeah. without doing it. When he's looking in the mirror and like exactly. his face and all that. And it's just like... And the one artistic moment from that movie, as long as we're on it, the one thing that Todd Phillips brings to it that's original is the staircase sequence, which is cinematically good, but completely undermined <laughs> by the stadium anthem that he has playing. And I get it. Oh, it's symbolism. I, no one's... Listen, you're waving a giant banner. No one's missing the symbolism that you're yeah. doing here. No one's looking at this being like, oh, like you, we get it. He's going to a stadium in his mind. He's mm. going to a, a, a event. Mm. It, this is going to be a crowd-bringing event in his mind, and he's he's all riled up. It is such a poor choice of music, though. That was a, I. They could have used so many different so many different things, and and especially for something that symbolism-wise is so shallow, uh -huh. so so inherently shallow. Whereas like. If they had even done something like Send in the Clowns from the trailer, the trailer that version trailer of Send in the Clowns. Amazing. Like, I just, yeah. I, there's so many things that when it does get creative, I'm like, this is stupid. Uh -huh. The fact that he becomes a YouTube sensation in the 70s, like someone just happens to be recording his terrible set, which then just happens to get picked up by De Niro's show. And I'm just like, this is so well, stupid. You never really know what. Do they ever really say what date, like what year it is? No, but the, the implication is it's the seventies. There's the implication, but like the the guys he kills in the on the train, mm -hmm. 
their suits and everything was more modern. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was a definite mix between modern like I don't know if it was seventies. Like I, I'm very curious to know exactly what year he was aiming for. Yeah. Uh, I all I know is that because they filmed this in my old neighborhood in the Bronx, mm. don't mind me, just shouting out my old neighborhood where they filmed this and they had to transform it. Uh, the the diner that he um, dreams of taking the girl to is a rundown. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It's like Big Donut. Oh really? <laughs> it's just like it had been shut for like a year and a half. Oh, that's awesome. And the filming crew came by and they were like, "Hey." <laughs> Big donut, man. Big donut. That's amazing. So, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, Young Justice Phantoms, I really enjoyed. I'll talk about it more on a, on a more concise review video. And since we have so much to talk about, I was going to talk about the adventures of Tintin and kind of the, the weird... Uh, You're talking about the Spielberg movie? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. It's a good movie. It's very good there's, movie. The only complaint I have is that there's a weird uncanny valley to yeah. the animation because it's so realistic, but it's also done very well. And I want to emphasize, I love this about it, in the style of the comics. That's great. But then there's this ultra-realism yeah. to it as well, and you're just like, these two things don't really blend super well at times. Yeah. And great movie i remember when that came out i i'm fairly certain it came out around the same time as hugo Mm -hmm. i think so and you look at you have scorsese doing hugo and Mm -hmm. you have spielberg doing tintin yeah this was a few years after hugo but this was around they were like and it was like you have these two great directors and both movies were like critically loved Mm -hmm. but they didn't really do much and i remember when i saw both of them like these are great movies yeah well, Tintin is practically Indiana Jones 4. Yeah. And it's it's a very fun adventure movie. It is written like a kid's movie. Mm, yes. So Tintin will just have these sudden sparks of inspiration. And you're just like, that is kind of a leap That's kind in of terms weird, of yeah. your logic. But okay, it's fine. And things will, will work out. Because it is a kid's movie. Yeah. My favorite thing is the tank that's driving a building. And no one gets hurt. <laughs> it just casually drives this building all the way through town. That's where you tell it's a kid's movie. Yeah. yeah. And at the very end, the tank dislodges itself from the building and drives away. Yeah. And, and like people come out of the building and they're like, oh, we, we live by the sea now. And it's just like, yeah, this is a kid's movie. This is a kid's movie. But it's a good kid's movie. Yeah. No, it's fairly entertaining. It, it reminds me of Goonies. It has yeah. that Goonies energy that. Yeah. of just like, uh, I guess this is going to work out because... I mean, how is it not going to work yeah. out? And yet, there's still adult things in it too. Yeah. So it's it's good. It's fun. No, that was a good one. Yeah. All right. So here's my thought. Yes. I want to start with the best of these three shows and end with Obi Wan. Okay. Okay. All right. Because I want. I cannot wait. So you you do you mean that Obi Wan isn't going to be the best of these three shows? No. We're going to start with Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to start is, with Strange New Worlds. I have to say, currently, my favorite show on TV. It's by far... So I talked a little bit about this last week. Every week, mm-hmm. when I I start whittling down the time between this show and when I'm watching things, I usually try and watch things around Monday through Wednesday, mm-hmm. because that way they're fresh in my mind, instead of trying to like watch something on Saturday, gotcha. and then keep it in mind all the way to Thursday when we're filming. Whenever I'm sitting down to, to figure out what I'm going to watch... If Strange New Worlds is on the table, it's what I want to watch first. Yeah. And if it's not on the table, I'm frustrated by the weight that I have to deal with (laughs) until it's on the table. Because it's just like, I'm sitting there Wednesday night, and I'm like, I've got Obi-Wan 
and Miss Marvel. They're both available. I have yeah. to watch one of them. But I don't want to. I want to watch Strange New Worlds. I don't want to watch these yeah. anymore, man. And it's amazing to me because, like, the thing that makes this show great is this wasn't even my favorite episode. It was enjoyable. It was a good episode. It was a good episode. Had kind of a called shot, but that's okay. Yeah. And it was like, it was like okay. Like I like the twists and turns with having um, the doctor all of a sudden. She's the actually the pirate captain of the ship. Yeah. I'm like okay, this is you know how they got the mutiny. I wish they would have shown a little more, but I do yeah. love how they're in there and they're climbing up the walls because they had kind of half-assed the mutiny. That was that was a classic Strange New Worlds cutaway. Yeah, where like we see like six blocks of of captured Enterprise crewmen in the prison, and they're like, ah, plan Theta, Beta, whatever, is going great. And um, the next cut is to (laughs) them having taken the ship somehow, and it's just like the four of them. So whatever happened to everybody else that's in the crew, we don't know. But they're like, can you beam us out of here? And that's the last we see of it. And it's like, when I saw that scene, though, I'm like, that's how you do comic relief. Yeah. Because you really don't need to see how they get out of the cage. Yeah. But to see it happen so quickly, but to realize that they really kind of fucked up because yeah. they don't really have the mutiny in hand and they're tr- people are trying to kill them. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we can't really do anything right now. Yeah. But, like, once again, Ethan Peck, I can't say enough about him as Spock. Just yeah, phenomenal. great episode. Great episode. Great episode. And they ended it with the mic drop of Star Trek's fandom mic drop to where you have all throughout the episode you there's a Vulcan that they're trying to break out of this prison the the pirates and at the end you find out it's Cybok yeah Spock's half brother and you're like holy shit yeah like and for those of you who do not know Cybok was the main bad guy in Star Trek um, five, the final frontier, where he's a full Vulcan, but he completely disregards the Vulcan way, and becomes a cult leader that uses his abilities he's learned being a Vulcan to bring out people's emotions and make them pretty much fall to his their knees in front of him and, and follow him. Mm-hmm. And he ends up taking over the ship, takes over most of the crew that way. And so just to have him brought, because that movie sucked, even though, and I do have to preface this, Star Trek V sucks, mm-hmm. except it has one of the best acted scenes in any Star Trek movie, and it's when Cybok is trying to um, convert Bones to his side. He brings up the emotional attachment Bones has to his father's death, to, and it, when, he, when he brings up their emotion and their memories... It also like opens up a flashback that they're part of and they kind of interact mm-hmm. with. And it's Bones' dad is dying of an illness and there's nothing he can do with about it. And after his father dies like two months later, there's a cure for it. And the pain in DeForest Kelly and the acting in that scene are... I, I'll put that with any acting I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's in one of the worst acting movies I've ever seen. <laughs> but to have Cyborg now hopefully... This, this little, like you had mentioned, maybe the final episode of the series, you, like he, because he does end up getting out of this prison he's in, mm-hmm. or rehabilitation center on Vulcan, because he is free for Star Trek V, which, mind you, that's probably 
30 years or yeah. 40 years in the future. So he's going to get out eventually. But I'm curious what they're going to do with that because mm-hmm. I would love for them to delve more into that character. And we'll get with this with Obi-Wan too. You notice that it doesn't feel like they're stepping on toes here? Yeah. Obi-Wan feels like they're only stepping on toes. Oh, they're breaking toes. Like they're... they're mm, mm, bad decisions are being made every week. Yeah. On a, on a pretty standardized timeline at this point. You can pretty much wind your watch to when the bad decision is going mm. to happen in the show. And as you're watching... We'll get to it. We were going to get to that. But see, and, the, and the, that's the thing with, with Star Trek right now is... With, with that other crappy show and Halo also, there's no fun. No. These episodes, even the serious ones, are fun. And even when there is fun, you roll your eyes at it. Yeah. You're, you know, like, so the comic, re- well, we'll get into it, but the comic relief in Obi-Wan is Princess Leia. Yes. Which you're already like, Ugh, do we have to do Princess Leia? Yeah. Okay, we're going to do this. And then she's going to be your lead comic relief in this entire show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas this... Any character can be funny. Yeah. And all the characters are charming. Yes. And there's not just four of them. And, you know, the ones that aren't historically relevant are the are some of the most entertaining yes. of anyone. I mean, like, there's just... There's so many elements of the show that are so endearing and good. Mm. Like, I again, you kind of roll your eyes at it, but you don't mind it when the way that Pike gets into their good graces is by cooking them a half-decent meal. Yeah, and, awesome. and you're like, they've made this big deal about how Pike really likes food. And so, like, I, you know, they've made a big deal out of it. Yeah. Obi-Wan made a big deal out of him not having force powers. <laughs> they made a big deal out of Pike liking food. Yeah. And, so it's, and he knows as a seasoned captain, when a crew is eating crap and they're not eating properly, they're mad and yeah. they're miserable. But if you give them good food, you can win them over like he ends up doing yeah and and so it's just like it has those elements of just like okay similar to the cutaways yes you know the the classic the now almost expected uh strange new world cutaways yeah where something will happen and someone will magically teleport from one location to another location Mm. and there's no explanation or scene in between to show how those events happen and it happens every episode and at this point this would be a detriment to most shows. I find it crazy and endearing. Oh, it's amazing. Where like almost the the timeliness of it, you can yes. literally expect it at least once an episode. Something will happen. This big issue will occur. And this person who was miles away will suddenly be back on the bridge and give a two-sentence explanation as to how they got back. Yes. And it's, it's beautiful. And once again, I appreciate how every episode... Different cast members are the leads. Yeah. Like in last episode, the Doctor was the primary character in that show. One of the primary characters de- help, um, dealing with the boy and with his daughter and all that. Yeah. He says one word in this or two words, two words. in the prison. He, he checks him out. Yeah. And he says that you don't have a head injury. And then Pike is like, we're going to do this plan. And uh, I believe it's Uno looks at the yeah. Doctor and is like, is that thing working? He's like, I think it's working. I think it's working. <laughs> and it's, that's the humor. But once again... You don't need to have these same characters having... Th- th- each character can get their own limelight. And yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, there was no Uhura in this episode, which is interesting, because she's been in a lot of episodes, but at the same time, it wasn't a big deal. No. It wasn't like, oh, what well, she should be here. It's like, oh, she's off this week. That's fine. Uh, it could be worse. You could be Hemmer, who has disappeared. Or not Kirk, 
who came in at the end of an episode, got knocked out the next episode, yeah. took three episodes off, came back for like one minute in an episode and got booted out of a room. Yeah. And that was his arc. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... It's awesome. Not Kirk just kind of floats around and he kind of comes into the plot every once in a while like an asteroid caught in an orbit. As, uh, but that's what I... Because in reality, I want to say a ship like the Enterprise... It's like 4,000 people or something. Like, it's a, it's lot, a lot of, of people. people. And it's like, it makes sense that Ohura might not have been anywhere near yeah. any of the command crew. And she was in one of those cages and you just never see never her. Never see her. And since she's not around the captain who's coming up with the plan, there's no reason to see her. Mm-hmm. And same thing with What's-His-Nuts. Uh, yeah. the, the, engi- the, the engineering. engineering. Yeah. And it's like... I love that about it because you don't need to try to fit. It's like the anti-Marvel, which, once again, I do think they did a great job juggling all of the heroes. and But they kind of did it with Infinity War where they didn't have Ant-Man and Hawkeye, but then they were like two of the main leads in, in Endgame. It's kind of like that where you say, okay, we have all these characters, but... You know, they don't need to be in this one. They could be yeah. in this one, and this is their storyline in this one. And I'm still hurt by that because I'm, I mean, I'm hurt by everything when it comes to Hawkeye. All decisions made by I about. I, I, I thought twice about bringing yeah. his name up to you. It, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts bad. It hurts worse. Well, Strange New Worlds is fantastic. If you are listening to this and you have not seen it yet, for God's sakes, get Paramount Plus, do the free membership for a week. I think it's a seven days. Freaking watch. Yeah. My parents They're just amazing. got Paramount Plus. And I was like, you got to watch this. And they were like, is it done yet? And I was like, no, there's like three more episodes. And they're like, we'll watch it when it's done. And I'm like, you got to watch Just start it. watching it now and then rewatch them when they're yeah. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So we got to talk about Miss Marvel now. Oh, boy. Okay. See, now Bef- it gets into it. This is going to be your big yeah. tirade. So before you do your tirade, yeah. I'm just going to reiterate. Yeah. After watching this episode, yeah. this show is not for us. It's not this Strange show New is World. For, Strange New World is for us. This is, this is for kids. This is for... 13, 14-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because after this episode, I'm like, it's not be- it's not poorly made. Mm-hmm. It's just geared towards the Twilight crowd. It's very, which is not us. It's very teeny bopper. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what they said they were going to do when they brought Peter Parker back to high school. Mm. It has a lot of those same high school vibes, which makes sense. It takes place in high school this time. Yeah. It's my, my feelings on this are so complicated. I think that there's things to find enjoyment in, even mm-hmm. at, you know, I agree with you that there are elements of this that don't necessarily cater to our particular interests. Yes. But I think that any solid character will win over an audience regardless of how much the audience can see themselves in the character. So I think that there is still something to be found here. Mm-hmm. I agree that there's elements of the writing that i just kind of roll my eyes at mm. and i you know the entire bruno storyline in this oh last episode was me rolling my eyes at it the whole time i was just like yeah okay so we're doing this okay and so, you knew because not that she's an unattractive young woman no. but you're like this boy's setting her up for something yeah so at that and the at the ending i was like duh yeah Totally made like I was expect I was expecting it actually like ten minutes before the ending. The fact that he had singled her out yes. the entire time. Yes. It just happens to like first come up to her with his shirt off. And yeah. It's like, oh, it's, oh come on. Yeah. Come on. So it, you know, like it there were definitely elements of that. I love that they go to this party, they're at that party for five minutes and then the cops show up. Yes. I was just like 
We're just hitting all the bases, aren't we? We're just scooting right along if we're hitting tropes. Yeah. Let me get to the things that... This is, all, this is your dance floor. Let me get to the things that work for me. Yes. Okay. All right. So special shout out to Aman Villani, the lead in Miss Marvel. Yes. I found out this week, and this made my heart very happy, that she really could be Kamala Khan. And I mean that in the sense that she's a huge Marvel fan. And she's not just a movies fan. She reads the comics. Nice. She came out and said that she told off Kevin Feige over what they did. As she put it the exact same way I did. Over doing Black Bolt dirty in Doctor Strange. Yes. And she was like, they did him dirty. That was a, that was a low blow. That was not cool. And she had all these other notes for him about the Avengers and, and the things that they decided. She had the exact same reaction that I had when they had that stupid line where uh, Rachel McAdams is like, oh, your universe is 616 and ours is 8-9, whatever. Yes, I read that. And and she was like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's it's 1 million percent yeah. not. And uh, so it's like, I'm, I'm, that all made me well, you super can tell happy because she has a very, she's very passionate. Yeah. In the show. Like she's, she is easily the bright spot of the show. Oh, she's so good. She's so and good. like, like little things, like the way that she dances around the apartment after she gets back yes. from the party, like, like little tiny things make you really happy with, <clears throat> with the way that, you know, they're, they're doing her character in terms of the writing. Mm. And then we get to the flip side of this burger, which is that. They have. They haven't doubled down. They they gave me one tiny, teeny, tiny breadcrumb, teeny, tiny, tiny breadcrumb, where they said that the bangle isn't giving her the powers. Mm-hmm. It's activating something in her that gives her the powers. And they did hint to her grandmother potentially being an inhuman because she vanishes. Yeah. And there was this mystery around her. And she brought shame to the family yep. and all these other things. No one wants to talk about it. So I'm like, okay. So why are we doing the light show? Yeah. We had an entire training sequence, which I'm first aside, special call out. I was a little offended because I've written that training sequence for my character. <laughs> and, like, it takes place on the rooftops and everything. Yeah. And there's a double-level rooftop so they can fall a short distance without it hurting anybody. Mm. I didn't do the stupid, he catches her and then holds her two feet off the ground because he would be able to look down and be like, oh, yeah, she's fine. Mm. And he would let her go. Um, but I, I definitely had a lot of those training sequence elements mm. in mine. I think mine is better. But, of course, I do. Mm-hmm. Um it was too brief. And, and, like, it was really short. But here's the thing. So we did the entire training sequence where we get to see her learning all of her powers, right? Uh-huh. And at no point in the entire sequence do they use her powers from the comics. Like, they never even pretend. Like, it never comes up. It never comes up. Shape-shifting, not a part of her power set. Stretching and growing, not a part of her power set. And then, and then, they did the thing that hurt me. They hurt me deeply. Where they made a joke about how she tries to shrink down because she wants to see if she has Ant-Man powers. And she's like, oh, it didn't work. And he's like, why do you think you have Ant-Man powers? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here like, you... (laughs) You really, you know just how to dance on that nerve, Mm -hmm. don't you, baby? Because literally, like, the third thing she does with her powers is shrink so she can avoid the Zoe. Mm -hmm. 
whose name is Zoe Zimmer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's dumb. bad. That's dumb. Um, but <clears throat> literally, she shrinks so she can avoid that crowd. Apparently, she can't shrink. Apparently, that's not in her power set. Yeah. Which means she also can't grow. And now, it's at this point in the argument where I say, why are we doing this? To what end? Why would you completely change a character's power set mm-hmm. and then make kind of a sides to her power set? But still fundamentally alter her power set. See, the only thing I could think about, and I thought about this after your your rant last week, the only thing I could think about is the Hollywood thing like they did with the Resident Evil movie. We need to make it flashy. We need to make it bright. Mm -hmm. We need to not have it just be like shape-shifting and stretching and all that. Visually, doesn't have flash to it. If they add the color and all that, I can see an executive saying... We need to do that because it's going to be for kids. We need it to be colorful. It's the only thing I could think about. I still think it has something to do with Marvel feeling like they need a more direct connection mm. to Captain Marvel. And so, like, Her oh, she has, look like... she has light-based powers, kind of like Captain Marvel has light-based powers. But see, wouldn't it, and wouldn't it make more sense, though, in this, the new, um, the Marvels movie, mm-hmm. where you're going to have her with Captain Marvel and Rambo, right? Yeah. The other two are going to have Captain Marvel powers. You could have the third one just have not flashy. This is the thing, is that she doesn't take on Captain Marvel's mantle because she has the same powers. She takes on the mantle because she's inspired by Captain Marvel. She's a fangirl of Captain Marvel. Literally, the first thing that happens after she comes out of the Terrigen Mist is she accidentally morphs herself into a doppelganger, sort of, of Carol Danvers Mm. as Captain Marvel. And it's, it's baffling to me. It's, I've, I've been trying to come up with a similarity here where it's like if they made it so that Peter's powers weren't from a, a spider bite, they come from a, a magic ring which activates his connection to the arachnid god and gives him spider powers. Or, you know what, let's go even further. He, he gets some kind of... Uh, he can he can shoot some kind of jet of some some acid or something because we had to give him something extra mm-hmm. something more than what he had and I'm just sitting here like I like the concept of her trying to save the kid mm-hmm. who's climbed up to get a selfie for God knows what reasons mm-hmm. he pulled a bram and got in too high yeah. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't watching incest though yeah not this time uh, so but I like the idea of mm-hmm. her having to rescue this kid. And I'll allow her to not have a costume yet. Again, in canon, since she's a shapeshifter, she can just create whatever costume she wants. Mm -hmm. But fine, fine, fine. We're going to take the stupid long road around on this one. It then becomes all about the light show. Yeah. Where it's just about her using her light powers to make bridges. And then she tries to save the boy because he doesn't get off the light beam fast enough. And it collapses under him and she has to like make little pads for him to fall on. And I'm just like, okay, you know, you stretchy arms. Yeah. We're two episodes in and embiggen is not a term that has come out of her mouth yet. Yeah. And I am getting impatient and frustrated because this is becoming one of those things where it's like, okay, we haven't even had a conversation about why she doesn't just take the fucking thing off. Yeah. You had, 
you introduced this stupid thing. You introduced these arguments. So now you have to clean up after it, which means I have to come along while you clean up after it. Mm -hmm. And that's so frustrating because we don't need to have any of these stupid arguments in the first place. We could just be doing all of this stuff and she could have powers. Mm -hmm. The two things are not mutually exclusive. You can do both. And her new powers are completely blowing any powers that she would have in the comics out. They're just gone. Mm -hmm. They're just gone. She doesn't necessarily have super strength, but she has enhanced strength. She yeah. has some level of extra strength because that is pretty common when it comes to superhumans. That's just and she has a like have there I don't think there's been a scene where she's used her super strength. No, they explicitly said that she doesn't have super strength because she accidentally made her fist really big. That's right. But she didn't. She just made a really big glowing ball around her fist, mm -hmm. which is it has weight to it, but it's made out of light and it apparently got so heavy that she dropped it. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, if you wanted to make the argument, like maybe yeah. she made her fist really big and it got heavy, I would still say that's stupid because that's like a classic thing Kamala Khan does is make big fist hit hard. And I, I'm just sitting here watching this like, how can you get it so wrong? You get so much of this right. You get the tone and the style and the look and the characters. You get them all right. And they're good. And I like them. I like the conversations. Mm -hmm. I like the the asides to her family life and her religious life. I mm -hmm. love all these concepts. I love the way that they're being executed. I'm hugely in favor of all the things that are happening here. What the fuck? How did you blow it on the superhero part? So bad. So, so bad. Yeah. Well, it seems like post-Endgame Marvel... And this has been true for movies and TV. Every one thing they get right, they do five things wrong. Yeah. The entire time that boy was falling, I was just like, stretch, stretch, yeah. stretch, She did stretch. it in the first episode. Why are we not... What is going on here? Yeah. So two other things I want to throw out. Okay, here, I can't because wait to hear these. These, these. these aren't necessarily key to Kamala's powers. Yes. But make no mistake, I am deeply offended and frustrated <laughs> about this. I saw that it got it got negative review bombed, mm. which I'm like, I don't want to see anybody. I want I don't want to see that happen to anybody. That's yeah. not that's not cool. I haven't read any of the reviews, so I don't know what the actual complaints are. I can't imagine that they're justified in any way. Mm. But I I actually have complaints about the show, and now I'm like, I don't want to say it because it got review bombed. But like, I'm deeply frustrated about this. So, but but we'll, we'll, we've talked about that. That's fine. Yes. We'll put that in a box. Get a costume. Get better at what you're doing. Lose the light show. Get real powers. Have this be a transformational thing where the more she uses it, the more it tunes to her. And at some point, it's just going to fuse with her completely. Yes. And she's not going to have to wear it anymore. And it's not light-based powers. It's stretching. If you do that, I'm not going to give you the light-based powers. That is not on the table. Mm. That is absolutely flatly off the table. <laughs> Do it this way. <laughs> she shouldn't have projectile items of any Which, kind. With her being such a fan, I'm wondering what her reaction is. Though. I know, right? She's like, got to be frustrated as anybody. I'm just like, so you were okay with them doing the light show instead? Like, why? Well, you got to give her the understanding of she's, she's not going to She's a brand new no. actress and she's not yeah. going to go to, yeah. You're getting to play one of your favorite characters in pop culture and yeah. you're not going to say you're not going to you're not going to raise kind of a like quibble yeah anakin skywalker and oh Hannah Christensen god we're gonna being, get into it yeah we're gonna I, get into so, it so two really quick things about the marvel cinematic universe that really pissed me off yes. that came up in this episode one stop calling them enhanced that was a stupid bullshit yeah, thing you did for dumb. shield you did that for agents of shield and it was dumb and bullshit and nonsense and for the love of fucking god i don't think dc has copyrighted metahuman 
we have a term for this. Mm-hmm. It's metahuman, and it sounds so much better than enhanced. It's a night and day difference. I cannot stress this yeah. enough. Calling them enhanced is the dumbest fucking thing. Because you could tell, you could call a woman with breast implants enhanced. There's so many things that that could mean. Yeah. And it, it, not only that, it just it's so not indicative of them having. Like I get it. They're enhanced humans. This is stupid. This is godlike powers. This is you got to do better than this. Yes. You you absolutely as somebody who's written their own superhero universe, I'm gonna come out here on a on a limb and I'm going to say I did it. I had to do it. I had to circle that square. I had to say, well, just in case, so that no one compares me to DC, mm-hmm. I won't call them metahumans. I'll come up with something different. Now, did I go out on a huge limb and come up with something amazing and different? No, I called them alt humans. It's it, basically the same. But that's what I'm saying. Do anything yeah. better than this. Point two. Yes. What the fuck is damage control? And also, why is it the DODC? I get it. It's the Department of Damage Control. This is a dumb name. Yeah. And this is not what the Department of Damage Control is for. Apparently, they're S.H.I.E.L.D. now? Well, it's... As of what I understood, they're the same people that showed up at the beginning of Homecoming that yeah. took the project away from Michael Keaton. You know why they did that? It's because that was... Actually, what they do, yes. damage control comes in and cleans up after a superhero battle. And they employ supervillains as part of that. Yes. So they're rehabilitating supervillains and they come in and they repair stuff after a superhero battle. And it's a really cool concept that fills a, a nice little gap in the universe. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're playing a Marvel game and you can hear voicemails that are ads for superhuman insurance mm. for your car or your house or whatever in case something happens in case someone blows a hole in your house you don't get left out gotcha, the, the gotcha. so I, I like these elements and i just look at this and i'm like so they're a federal agency on par with yeah. the fbi and they're just hunting enhanced humans and with for what purpose just that video the no, video like of the I, adventure count. That's I old. get it. I get why they're hunting her, but I but what in what grand scheme? To what end? For what yeah. reason? Like are are you hunting her like mutant style? Could you could you not? It's not stop calling them enhanced. Maybe call them mutants or yeah. something. Something. I'm, I'm begging you, man. I'm begging you. Give me something here. Like I I just don't understand their role in all this. And well, because it's not. No one has said what it is. They've been yeah. in what? A total of two minutes worth of screen time? Yeah. But they're supposed to be this big government agency yeah. that's chasing after her. And I'm just like, y- you could give me a reason. Yeah. You could give me a reason why they would want to chase after her. They, is, she, are, is damage control trying to form a super team? You know, like, because I'm just, you know, call me crazy. I don't know. I don't know. It's your universe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I could have sworn New York was just swimming in superheroes. Yeah. Like, just laden down with superheroes. Yeah. Including ones that have had kind of cataclysmic events surrounding their life. Mm. Spider-Man. And you could make an argument mm. that you should probably bring in Spider-Man. He should probably be your white whale. Yeah. Like, that should be your thing. Because even though people don't know who he is, he's still Spider-Man he, out there. They still know there's a superhero the, named Spider-Man. He's the biggest anonymous superhero out there. Someone should care about bringing him in. Yeah. And just this whole thing with damage control, trying to, to run after her and, and stalk her, and they're threatening Zoe. And I'm just like, this is so... 
A, completely uncreative. Yes. This just walks a path that we've seen a million times in a million cop shows. Mm. And B, is so fucking... What's the point of it? What? Yeah. what why are we spending so much screen time on this? this is the frustration part you brought up earlier. Yeah. You just get frustrated because you're like... What are we doing? What are you doing? What are we doing? So you're going to change her power set and then you're going to have these stupid things that you just leave around like a careless child. Yeah. And and also, because we mentioned it last week, so let's do an update. There wasn't a post credit scene for this week. No, no, no. So I'm just like, what is, what are we doing? I don't know what they're doing. What are we doing here? Because you get some level of consistency and please, for the love of God, for the love of God, stop whatever this laser light show is because I, I'm i not going to like the show because I don't like the laser light show and that's not going away. I am convinced at this point. The training montage convinced me. Yes. It's not going away. And do you know what f- quite possibly the main reason for the laser light show is Disney likes selling toys. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt you can buy a hero already that's arms lights up. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy like something that lights up. A band lights that up, lights a band. up. Yeah. Guarantee. Mm-hmm. They probably said, we need to sell some toys. And it just... You can't sell just like a stretchy girl toy. It's just... It makes me so mindlessly yeah. This is where Disney... They're destroying Marvel... And now they're destroying Star Wars. Yeah. Miss oh, Marvel. Really quick, can yes. I throw one thing in yes, one before thing. we jump off Marvel? Uh, I read the funniest thing today. Okay. And it's that Marvel is trying to put together a four-year consideration campaign for the Emmys for Loki. To which I say, really? For Loki? Of, really? Of all the shows you came out with last year, you're going to take Loki and you're going to highlight that one. You're going to say this one's the best one to give us a chance you for the Emmys. It. Yeah, that's weird. Loki? You're going to lose. Yeah. You might as well have tried to get Ant-Man an Oscar. It's not going to happen. That's so weird. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there yeah. so I could throw a little shade at Marvel to be like, what are you doing? That's so What are weird. we doing? All right. So, Miss Marvel, we are still going to watch it. Hopefully, something gets answered. But we will keep you updated, folks. Tune in every week for my yes. very angry rant about very how she has rant. Every time I watch powers. that show now, I'm just wondering what you're thinking. The whole just, time. <laughs> they, you know what else really pissed me off? And again, we're, yes. we'll get to Obi-Wan. They had that scene where Bruno goes in and finds out that he got the the gig at Caltech. Yes. And now, because he suddenly decided that he has feelings for uh, Kamala, he doesn't want to go. And the principal, who I want to like very badly, talks about, (laughs) in that classic Marvel way, he says, have you seen movies? And he's like, yeah, I've seen movies. And he's like, you know that movie where, you know that part in the movie where someone gets told something blah 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 and he goes over and he's like you're a jedi or any then he references devil wears prada and i'm just sitting there like my dude there's a name for that and honestly you sound like an idiot yeah and the writer sounds like a bigger idiot because it sounds like they couldn't remember what the call to adventure was Mm -hmm. and they were too lazy to google it well and and like a lot of marvel movies and shows lately they make if the heroes are the kids, they make the adults idiots. Yeah. Like all the teachers in the Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. They're all dumb as shit. They're morons. Yeah. And it's like, can't you... This This is where the Nickelodeon part comes in, because that's yeah. all Nickelodeon shows are. Yeah. That's all like Saved by the Bell was. Yeah. It's like, no, dude. You can't just make the adults dumb. Give me something. Give yeah. me anything, man. But, like, give me something. You're giving me nothing here, dude. Yeah. You're giving me something great on one side, and I want to... I, I can't... Not stress that there's a lot of elements of this show that I think are really, really great. Mm-hmm. 
I am so frustrated with the parts of the show that are bad because the parts of the show that are bad are, are just so completely... They drag down all the good They parts. just completely erase everything yeah, good. Absolutely. And it's just... It goes back to the metaphor I used last week where in the end credits, they show her using her in big and powers. And it's just like, so you're going to show us that you know what you should be doing, mm-hmm. but you're not going to do it. Why? What What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And to make a full transition into nothing good, yes, we are going to talk about, in my opinion, the worst show on TV right now. It's really... It's, and that is Obi-Wan F and Kenobi. The funniest thing to episode me... Episode 5. The funniest thing to me is that because of the, the all-holy algorithm, Yes, when I'm... You know, booping around on Reddit or whatever. There will be, like, prequel memes mm-hmm. and, and like, that kind of thing. And same on Instagram. All of them are so elated about Obi-Wan. And I'm just sitting here like, really, my dudes? They're For serious? Apologists. Like, are, are you kidding me, dude? Every time I watch a show and I hear a Star Wars fan say it's great, I think about that Flash Gets. Do you ever watch that Flash Gets? Um, Do you ever hear of that? No. There's this... Group, they do these animated shorts called, uh, it's called Flash Gets. And they mm-hmm. have this one where George Lucas shows up to talk to Mickey Mouse. Because Mickey Mouse wants to figure out how people still love Star Wars. And he shows how they make a Star Wars movie. And it's just a pile of, a massive deluge of shit from J.J. Abrams' ass. Mm-hmm. And they throw a lightsaber and something in it. And then they drop Dead Princess Leia on top. And they're like, Star Wars! And you see all the fans like, yeah, all excited. And it's like, how do Star Wars fans, and I know so many of them that I know have taste in in film and know what a good film is, what a good TV show is. How do they watch this and not be like, okay, the lightsaber battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Let's talk about the duel. Let's is, talk about the training everyone sequence. Everyone keeps talking about it. They're like, oh, we're so happy. That's what they brought Anakin Skywalker or Hayden Christian back for. Okay. So bad. He has both hands. So that means this happens prior to, to Attack, Attack of, of the, the clones. clones when he's like 14. Yeah. And it is a obviously 45-year-old Hayden Christensen. He looks like he got held back in Jedi school for like a decade. Yes. Like, it's bad. It was really bad. It's Billy Madison bad. It's so bad. It's It's so bad. Oh, my God, it's so bad. hilariously bad. And then, again, I just, you know, because why? Obi-Wan, they gave him the same costume as Attack of the Clones. Yeah. They basically just got the Attack of the Clones costumes out. And they were like, put these on. And... They don't. They gave him a little bit of a longer hair, and that was it. And I'm like, so on the one hand, you keep on having Princess Leia refer to him as being a grandfather and being so old, and on the other hand, you do absolutely nothing to make him look young. Yeah. In the flashbacks, and then they triple down on that oh with Hayden God. Christensen. It's incredible. Oh my God. It's immaculate. I've never seen or experienced anything like it. And the thing I hate the most about that scene. Mm-hmm. is there was no warning. And <laughs> I got completely herbally overtaken that well, night. There was a warning at the beginning of the episode that some viewers might find some things in this episode reprehensible. Oh, that's true. That was about something completely, <laughs> different, completely different. But... I, okay, I'm not even going to mince words. I was way out of my mind high. And when that lightsaber battle hit, I started laughing. 
and I could not stop laughing, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Because oh it God. was the stupidest thing. It was so awful. In a bad show. And once again, it's like, you go into each episode like, this show can't get any worse. The episode before, somebody bitch slapped a stormtrooper. Yes. And what happens is it gets worse. And it's like, how? How does it get worse? How does it get worse? You keep digging this hole, and you dig it deeper and deeper. Okay, let's talk about the things I liked about the episode. The fact that she had a thermal detonator, because it gave me an opportunity to quote Return of the Jedi, when she holds up the bomb, and and it starts glowing, and it's clearly a thermal detonator, and I got to be like, oh, she's holding a thermal detonator! And I was like, cool, that made me happy. There's nothing else good to talk about in this show. Yeah. There's there's literally nothing else good to talk about in the entire show. I gotta talk and, about my bad part. You you, we haven't even got like like okay, so so like I still love that his name is Roken. So they're flying back, and my only thought is why are we not flying directly to Alderaan? And thankfully Obi-Wan brings it up. He's like, We gotta go to Alderaan. And they're like, We gotta get all these people out of here, man. Like we we'd stop the train just so you could you could get your girl. And we see one ship. And they keep talking about how they really got to get all these people out of there. And there's a, a, you know, Darth Vader is coming, man. He's coming. And and first off, uh, they've sealed all the blast doors. But in order to get out, (laughs) they have to open the hangar. To which I say, isn't the hangar just as approachable as anything from the Empire State of... Yeah. Mine? Like, can't they just as easily blow you out of the sky if they wanted to? Since you open up the hangar to try and get out? Okay, we're not going to talk about that. That's fine. We're just going to leave that alone as a giant gaping plot hole. Okay, I love a, a nice bloody plot hole. That's great. So, they... <laughs> they heard our note. They heard our note from episode two. They heard our note. And they said, you're right. Darth Vader should be able to do things with the Force. Yeah. And so they had him do that thing that I was like, why didn't he do this with the fire? Why is fire big, bad, fire bad? Yeah. Why? So he pulls his ship out of the sky and you're like, fucking finally. And he rips it apart. You're like, fucking finally. We've been waiting so long for this. And then another ship goes. And I'm like, wait, okay. Hang on. First off, did you run out of mana points? What, we're just going to let the other ship go? Second off, where the fuck did this other ship come from? And how fast it took off. Like, what? I, and no one was on the other yes. one? Yes. What yes. Yes. the high holy fuck are we doing? This, so is so oh, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. I don't care if you gave me the fan service of Darth Vader ripping a starship apart. First off, a little late for that. Second off, you completely botch it when you turn around and have another ship leave when there was never a second ship in the first place. And if there was, why haven't we gone to Alderaan? Yes. But with that second ship, once again, how do you have A, it take off and fly as fast as any ship in the history of Star Wars has done? Yeah. Especially that one that size. It breaks down immediately, too. Yeah. So they get out of there fast, and then it breaks down. But then, once again, Vader does it. Just grab that one. Just grab it. it just grab it, it baby. Was just on the other side. Just grab it, baby. And when that first ship took off, there was nothing on the other side. No, there wasn't. And there all of a sudden, it crashed out, and then one, and then like, another oh, one was on the other side. And I was like, where the oh fuck my God. did that come from? And 
If we had two ships, then why are we dicking around? What is this? This is so bad. It's so phenomenally it's so bad. Can bad. we can we talk about Third Sister and that whole arc? Because oh. this is the thing that makes me say, not only is this bad, it's going to get worse. Oh, it's gonna it's absolutely going you know to get worse. She's not dead because <gasps> she's been stabbed by Anakin through the chest once before. And not only that. Yelling. The other guy who got stabbed through the chest in episode two is already back. Yeah. And he's he's on his feet. And he's going, no guys, in Star Wars, no. baby. And so so let me set this up because it makes me infuriated. Oh oh so Obi-Wan, in the middle of all of these hijinks, gets a communique from Bail Organa. And Bail opens up the communique by saying, I know we said we weren't gonna communicate, but I'm getting nervous. I'm going to give away all the information that the Empire might need. And also, I promise to take care of the boy on Tatooine. Yeah. Like, that's not going to come up at some point. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Obi-Wan, being the genius tactician that he is, decides that he needs to not have any of his belongings on him when he goes to barter with the Empire, even though that never comes up. He's yeah. never searched. No. They don't try and take anything off of him. So he gives it all to Camille Nanjani. And Camille Nanjani, while he's running out of it, drops the communicator and looks and sees that he drops it and goes, eh, and he leaves. He just books it. And then Third Sister gets in the second worst Darth Vader fight of this series. Oh my God, it was, it cool. was so bad. It was so bad. I watched her and I was just like, what are you doing on the ground? He didn't put you on the ground. You just got on the ground. You yeah. decide your best tactic was to get on the ground. The guy is stopping your blows with the force and your tactic was breakdance. I, what are we doing? doing my dude and and like she has this super lightsaber and it can spin and it has this thing on it and it's a it's a darth maul special but it's shrunk down like an iphone and it means nothing it means nothing she's totally outclassed the entire time for once we agree she should be outclassed why is she not dead she should just fucking die yes she's not dead we see that she's not dead and what does she find the Hater, yeah. Which just happens to still be playing Baylor Ghana's message. Which, why Obi-Wan, as soon as he saw that, didn't jab his lightsaber through it and destroy it. Yeah. The second, or crush it with the force. Yeah. No, I gotta keep it. Because it is an insanely dangerous message. That reveals everything. literally everything yeah. about what we're doing. This is the worst show I've ever seen. It's so it's bad. So bad. It's so it's, bad. It's staggering. Yeah. It's absolutely... I was watching her pick up the communicator, and I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. So on top of everything fucking else that we're doing here, on top of all this bullshit nonsense that we're doing to the canon, you're gonna bring Luke into it. Yeah. This First off, let's talk about the obvious. There is... No suspense here. Yeah, none. What's There's none to be found. So why are we talking about this like it's so suspenseful? We know all these characters live. Yeah. This is so ridiculously stupid. Yeah. We know she doesn't kill Darth Vader. We know that Ben Kenobi doesn't die. We know that Leia doesn't die. Yeah. We know that Luke, even if it gets kidnapped, no is brought back him. to Owen. Yeah. Like, it, this is so fucking stupid yeah and all you're doing is stomping around in the cannon being like look at me i'm a big boy i like to stomp around fucking member berries and it's just like all member berries what is this they're making you know like that old italian version of wine where you have to get in the yeah, barrel and stomp absolutely they're doing that with member berries yeah they're just like we're gonna load up a bunch of shit which oh, is 
easily what the final three movies were. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Same thing. This seven, is a, seven we can do with because yeah, seven we I needed that. With. We needed eight, that. Nine were, eight, everybody I heard came out of seven and said, we really like this. This is great. We needed this. Yeah. Next one better be even more. You better, we don't want rehashing. We'll take rehashing the one time. Yeah. We don't want it twice. So you better do more. And they did not take that advice. No. And, and now they're just dumping everything in. Oh, you like two-handed lightsabers? Oh, here's one. Oh, you like Darth Vader fighting? Oh, here's some of that. Oh, you like James Earl Jones' voice? We got a computer that is a bare simulacrum of it. It's close. Yeah, it is so noticeable. And, and I still, when I saw that, that he was only in one episode, I was like, how are they going to do his voice? Oh, badly. Yeah. That's how they're going to do his yeah. voice. They're not going to hire someone to do the voice of Darth Vader who could easily do it. Yeah. They're going to have a computer do it for them. Because you're telling me there is not five human beings on this planet, comedians especially, who are really good impressions. I can think of at least two. Earl Jones. I can think of at least two offhand that already work for Star Wars yeah. doing voices for them. Like, it, it's just oh, it's so in. Bad. Insane to me. So bad. It's insane to me that we have decided that this is the method that we're going to execute this on. And also, while we're talking about Third Sister, I love the turn that apparently this whole time, this whole time, has just been so she could get close to Darth Vader. This has had nothing to do with Obi-Wan Kenobi and has nothing to do with yeah. Leia. It has just to do with her getting close to Darth Vader so that what? You can get your shit kicked out? And there were four times, and I, I read that I saw this in that Jeremy John review. If you look back, there were at least four times during the show where he has been like focused on something and her standing behind him. And just like what, and he had mentioned this too, just like what Kylo Ren did with Snoke, mm-hmm. he didn't open the lightsaber and then try to attack. He put it and then opened it so it went right in. Yeah. She could have easily put her lightsaber to the back of his head and just opened it. That was the other thing, was that they're talking through the door and the, the Imperials their infinite wisdom, have brought down a quote-unquote big gun, according to the Rebels. And they are firing it at one of the blast doors. Again, I still have to question when we know that they have to open the hangar, why are we, shouldn't we just have like a bunch of TIE fighters in a holding pattern over the base so that when they open the hangar door to, you know, escape, they can't. I guess not. I guess we're going to get a big gun and shoot at this big door that we know we can't blast through. And so they're doing that, and they fire off several rounds into it. And then Obi-Wan's like, let me barter with them. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and he talks to, to Third Sister through the door. And Third Sister reveals her entire plan. Mm-hmm. And then chops through the little thing that's been holding the door closed with her lightsaber. And the door swings open. And I'm just sitting there like... Why did you do that? Why the fuck did you wait to do that till now? I'm sorry. Are you trying to get these people? Are you trying to just intimidate them? I just I can't keep track of what your motives are because they don't make sense. It it's so frustrating and awful. It's it's resoundingly awful. It's one of those things where when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is really bad. And I'll I'll notably say things out loud about how bad it is and what they should be doing. And then I'll think about it for like two days. And after, once I actually start talking about it, mm. that's when I'm like, man, this show is really bad. And see, the worst thing is like, I love Ewan McGregor. And yeah. I feel awful that this is what he's attached to. Once again, dude got a Star Wars cherry roll and apparently the worst direction in the world. And the worst writing in the world. Twice. Yeah. Because it's 
awful. It's truly bad. It's awful. I don't know if they were trying to emulate the style of the writing in the first three. I don't know why you would do that because of anything. The entire world has agreed the writing in those three, awful. Yeah. Awful. Across the board. All three. We all agree. Awful. So unless you were five when they came out and they were your favorite movie to watch after school, we all agree they're awful. They're terrible. So why would you be like, hey, you know what? I got a brilliant idea. Let me try and write like George Lucas did in Attack of the Clones. Because that was some award-winning writing. Just waiting for a floating fruit scene. I just, I'm so <laughs> done with it. I'm so, I'm sitting here. Thank the gods there's only one more episode. I cannot wait to see how they try to like wrap all this up. There, I saw a little uh, teaser while I was setting up on IMDb. They had a thumbnail for episode six, uh-huh. and it has Obi Wan and Darth Vader fighting on Mustafar, and I'm just like, no. So this isn't none of this is going to end well. And all the things that they say to one each other in A New Hope when they finally come face to face makes it seem like they have not seen each other for a very long time. Darth Vader says, "I sense something." presence i haven't felt and and then he stops yeah. because he's so shocked yeah. that it's obi-wan kenobi who he apparently saw 10 years ago yeah and got really close to catching yeah and had really massive close. lightsaber battles with yeah and i i just like and was like i i guess in episode two he was like a cat playing with its food i guess that's the explanation no, no, no. because he had kenobi dead to rights like eight times and then big fire bad Big fire scary. Small fire good. Small fire fine. Big fire bad. Big fire scary. And it's so bad. It's so it's so bad. So bad. So folks, I hope you understand we don't like this show. No. And we are very much I am very much looking forward to next week being the final episode complete and utter trashing of this series. I and just... I as much as I hate the series and I hate watching it. I am getting a lot of enjoyment out of trashing it on a weekly basis. This is Game of Thrones season eight, bad. Where times two, where every episode you watch it and you're just like, oh no, oh no, yeah. and then for the next week, the entire world talks about how bad it was. Yeah, and there's some apologists who are like, it's not that bad. And they've never read the books and they don't know anything about the show. They just started watching in season seven, so they don't know any better. But it's not that bad. But see, the big thing is that season was necessary to end something where this is totally unnecessary. It's 100% never needed to happen. None of this helps anything. Nope. None of this. Once again, I didn't, in my wildest dreams, I could never imagine that Star Wars would look at the first three episodes and look at the damage that they do to the canon, mm-hmm. which is significant and significant. powerful. And then decide, you know what? Let's do that again. Yeah. Let's double, Let's down. double down on it. Let's do it again. And the only at thing least, it's missing is midichlorians and Jar Jar Binks. At least Boba Fett had the decency to not take place in the the established yes. timeline. Like it takes place ancillarily to the period sometime after Return of the Jedi. Yes. And, like, fine. It doesn't have to interact with anything. We don't have to worry about it running into anything. So bad. Here, it's it's like, it's the entire point of the show is to completely undo any final good elements that you could find between 
episode three and episode four. Yes. It's now just a, a ravaged wasteland of just bad, you know, it's like, um, it's like Strange New Worlds. In Strange New Worlds, they have that line where they're talking to Captain Angel. Yes. And they're asking her, why did you do all this? What's up with all this? And she's, she basically gives them the answer, I did it for love. And they're like, you did it for love? And, they're, and she's like, is that so hard to believe? And I love that concept of something powerful like love being used for evil. Yeah. I love it. This is nostalgia. Yes. Done for evil. Yes. <laughs> this is, this Very is, much so. This is, we've taken all the nostalgia that you can possibly have for something and we're going to use it for bad. Yeah. And it's so bad. It's really bad. It is so bad. It's really powerfully bad. You know how you can tell a bad show huh. is when a character is killed off for dramatic purposes and in two episodes comes back. Yeah. That's and a you bad knew they show. Were coming back. That's a bad yeah. show. That's a that's bad. That's yeah. a bad show. Ned Stark doesn't come back in season two. Yes. Rob Stark doesn't come back in season four. Yes. It's a bad show. It's a bad show. And especially because you know canonically the High Inquisitor comes back. Yeah. Because he's in the animated shows which take place after this, which are part of canon. So you know he's gonna come back. So like the whole even just like you're saying how we know these characters aren't gonna die, we know he's not gonna die. Yeah. Because he's in a canon already, yeah. in the future. Yeah, this so is, bad. It's, it's so, so bad. ridiculous. All right, so make sure to check in next week, folks, for when we absolutely tear the crap out of episode six. We're going to have Obi-Wan. a campfire. We're going to flambe. Oh God, I cannot wait. We're going to get marshmallows. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait. All right, so now we got to get into James Bond night. Finally. Okay. For those of you who have been living on a different planet for 50 years? Something like when, that. 50 or 60 years when the first James Bond It's got to be 60 now because it gotta was the 60s. 60s. Yep, it's got to be. So 60 years... Since the Doctor No, which mm-hmm. I believe is the first James Bond, um, James Bond is the longest running fr- film franchise, and like Doctor Who, it changes do- it changes Bonds. So we have had Sean Connery, who is a lot of people consider the, the best. Classic. I don't. He's the first. Once again, that whole thing just because they're the first doesn't make them the best. That just means that they created it. He was great. I did enjoy his James Bonds. Mm-hmm. Then you had George Lazenby, who was James Bond for one uh, film. Then you had Roger Moore that took over. After Roger Moore, you had Timothy Dalton that did two. Then Pierce Brosnan that did four, four? I believe. And then Daniel Craig, who has done five now. Um, and he is my favorite. He is by far the best. By far the best. Far and the I, best. I think it's not even just him. It's the way they wrote it. it there's something about it. Yeah. Because we're going to get into member berries again. Yes. Because we have to talk about No Time to Die. Um, yes. As part of the James Bond thing. And I will, I'll say this in the front of No Time to Die. That was something that did nostalgia very well. Yes, it did. Because that... I'm not a Bond guy. We've said this already. But I am I'm desperately not a Bond guy. I've seen... Uh, Goldfinger, mm. which I always want to call Goldmember. I always have to I know. myself. <laughs> uh, so I've seen Goldfinger, and I've seen uh, the first Pierce Brosnan. Goldeneye. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the Daniel Craigs. But I hadn't seen any of the other ones because I, they were fine, but they were a little too campy for my taste. Yes. It wasn't... And that's the term Yeah, that you can use honestly... For every James Bond except for Timothy Dalton. And that's one of the reasons why they actually ended him after two. Mm-hmm. Because 
they thought he was going too dark, which ends up being what made Daniel Craig so great. Yeah. Is because it's like, that's what people wanted, more gritty realism. But there is still here the fundamental elements of James Bond. Yes. He still says all the things that you expect him to say, even the things that back in Casino Royale we changed Mm -hmm. or in Quantum of Solace got replaced by product placement or was that Skyfall where he was carrying around a Heineken and everybody was like, oh, James Bond drinks a Heineken. But like, he he says all the things. Mm -hmm. He does all the things. He has the gadgets and we we get Qdar. We get all the things. Hans Zimmer does the music. He has all of the James Bond stings at yep. just the right times. It, it sings as a James Bond thing. At one point, he has to get an injection. And he says, oh I God. haven't had a drink in a few hours, which might be the most James Bond thing yes. of all time. And I got to say, Casino Royale is not only the best Bond movie ever made. I agree. It is one of the best action movies ever made. It's really good. That is a phenomenal movie. I was talking to my mom about these movies because they were also making their way through okay. the James Bond movies. And incidentally, I was talking about, I was like, don't watch Quantum of Solace. And she was like, we already did. And I was like, see, here's the thing is that Quantum of Solace and Spectre are just nothing movies. Yeah. Like, honestly. Which is sad for Spectre too because I love Christoph Waltz and I love Dave Bautista and they just didn't. It, that was one of those movies where you hear about it and I think Johns talks about it mm. and, and and his ratings where he's like, uh, you'll forget it in T-1 day. Yeah, and exactly. that's how Spectre was for me. Yep. Was I was getting ready to watch No Time to Die finally after trying for, for months to watch it. Mm. <laughs> I was sitting there like, Shit, what happened in Spectre? I don't remember anything. I remember the Mexico City stuff at the beginning. Which was amazing. And that's That opening was... Yeah. Because they did it in one shot. And it was unbelievably incredible. And I remember uh, Leah Saidu is in it. Yes. And that's all I remember from that movie. Which, if you think about it, it's the same thing with Quantum of Solace. The Mm -hmm. opening was... Phenomenal. Yeah. The car chase and everything. In the, it was incredible. Yeah. And then the rest is just like, meh, meh. It's yeah. like, we, we already blew our load. We and, don't need to do it anymore. You, you literally just, it washes over you. Yes. And you can be taking notes on the entire thing. I don't know that you'll remember it unless you really try. I don't oh, know yeah. that you'll remember it in like five days. Yeah. Like, it'll just completely blank out of your mind. So and, uh, you know, it, there seems to be... As always goes with these series, mm. once you go past three, there's there's some pattern. Mm. Some pattern emerges of which ones are the good ones and which ones are the duds. Star Trek. All the even ones are the best. The odd ones are the ones that are the weakest. All the James Bond, Daniel Craig movies that are the odd ones are, are the, best. the best. All the even ones are really bad. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. Okay, Let me let me start off first. My history of James Bond. So prior to, I was, I am as part of the generations of NerdPod generations, I am the old man and I was born in 76 and I remember watching on TV when I was a kid, all of the Sean Connery ones Mm -hmm. because they would always play them, edited on TV and all that. So I was allowed to watch them. And then I got the chance to see For Your Eyes Only which was in 1981, so I was five. And I think they were rated PG, so my like dad and mom didn't mind taking me to it. It was a Roger Moore, and a lot of people regard this as the best Roger Moore. 
And it really is the easily the best Roger Moore. Because, you know, Connery had the physique because he was a bodybuilder who became an actor. So he had the physique for it. George Lazenby was a model. He was younger. He had the physique. He, had, he was nowhere near as an actor as the other ones. Mm-hmm. But he could play the physical part. Where Roger Moore was a good actor, a very good actor. But he always looked old. Even mm-hmm. in the first, like his early ones, he just did not look like a spy. Yeah. For your eyes only, for some reason, they were able to make him look the part. I don't know if they had him like work out or what, but he actually did look the part and it was great. And then after that, it all went downhill, like with Octopussy and Moonraker. I mean, just horrible. Octopussy is one of those titles that you hear and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Really? Which it's, and I'm happy that's something they have not taken into the Daniel They stopped doing that. Because they were, they were deep into it with the um, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Because in GoldenEye, you had uh, On a Top. Mm-hmm. And then you had Christmas Jones, which was freaking What's-Her-Face, Denise Richards. Yeah. Which was still, I don't even, she, her as a nuclear scientist with yeah. her boobs out. You're like, come on, man. So for me, you know, I, I always had kind of respect for Sean Connery. But when I was growing up, it was still too old for me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't flashy enough. And I kind of didn't like the, I really didn't like the camp of the Roger Moore stuff. So for me, I wasn't even a fan of James Bond until I saw The Living Daylights, mm-hmm. which was the first Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And like I was saying before, Timothy Dalton got such a bad rap as James Bond because the movies they had him in had less gadgets, had more violence, had a darker tone. You saw with License to Kill. Yeah. License to Kill is violent. I mean, they have a shark eating a guy's legs off in one scene. Yeah. And it's a torture. Yeah. And his wife gets killed. And his wife like, gets... The, Felix Leiter's wife yeah. gets killed immediately. James Bond goes the to the wedding. wedding. And, well, this is this was my favorite, was that James Bond and Felix, which, coincidentally, this is my knowledge of James Bond, mm. I thought Felix Leiter was just a character that they gave... Uh, no, no, he's... Yeah, he's his CIA, uh, CIA Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just a character they gave to no. Jeffrey. No, he's he's a full thing. Yeah. So he he's driving with Felix Leiter to Felix's wedding. Yes. And which is apparently in the Caribbean. It looks way? like the Florida Keys. And uh, a helicopter interrupts them, and they say, "Hey, bad boy number one hundred one two six is in Cuba, and if we go right now." We can catch him. And so they do. And James Bond goes along. And then they go to the wedding. And then the bride is killed that night. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. The bride is killed. And Felix Leiter is half eaten by a shark. Yes. Still alive. Still alive. Knowing that his legs have been eaten off and his wife is dead. It's like, holy crap. And then it's like really violent throughout it. With a very young Benicio Del Toro. Playing the second in command, which is insane because he looks like he's 17 in this movie. They went from him, which originally, before Timothy Dalton got it, I want to say Pierce Brosnan really pushed for it. And they went with Timothy Dalton. And after the, the two he did were not as successful because they were darker... They brought Pierce Brosnan in with Goldeneye, and then they brought back a lot of the... the and then you get the on a top. Yes, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I always will have a soft spot in my heart for Goldeneye just because it launched the greatest video, one of the greatest video games ever made. Yeah. Which is the N64 Goldeneye game. It, it practically launched the first-person shooter. On consoles. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then for Pierce Brosnan, there was only two of them that I liked, which was Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, mainly because Michelle Yao plays the second... 
to him. She's the Bond girl. And it takes place in Hong Kong. And all of the fighters were like Jackie Chan's stunt team. And so the fight scenes are incredible. Like the action fight scenes with the, when she's like fighting all the guys in her, in her shop and all that, because it's them doing all the stunts and they're yeah. like highly trained. Did they, uh, did they burden that one with a lot of bad CGI? Cause that's uh, a hallmark of some of those Pierce Brosnan ones. It's just really terrible no, CGI. No, not really. It, it's a lot more realistic. Okay. Um, it's, you know, the, the villain by Jeffrey Wright is over the top. Yeah. You know, it's very over the top. Um, but it's, you know, the thing with the Pierce Brosnan movies is it made me really feel bad for Timothy Dalton. Because you, once again, you have to see a living daylight. So when you see it, you're going to be like, that's a really good movie. Yeah. It's not over top gadgety and there's not a lot of innuendo and he's very serious. Like Bond is very serious. Yeah. And it's like, I like that. Like, I remember when I first saw that, I'm like, that's what I like. And I think that's what rolled into the Daniel Craig's where I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is Pierce Brosnan getting his second chance. Yeah. In Daniel Craig. I'll just never get over like the the moment I knew that he was going to be a James Bond I could root for is when they do the obligatory parkour fight because it was 2007 or whatever it was. And the guy is flipping through doors and scooting through windows. Yeah. And James Bond just runs, runs through <laughs> drywall. And I'm just like, I think I like this guy. Yeah. I think I'm going to like this guy. That was amazing. Oh, God. That opening. And not only that opening, but the opening, instead of having just a dun dun, have him walk out and turn and shoot at the screen like they do every James Bond, they, ha- they show his first kill. And then that great back and forth with the guy, and he says, you know, the second one. And he shoots him, and he's like, yeah, much easier. Yeah. I'm like, that is awesome! And right Bruce, there and then, I was like, this is great. And they're doing artistic things where the first kill is him doing it in black and white in the bathroom. Yeah. And, like, he... They, and it's a brawl. Like, he's slamming into sinks and yeah. the breaking toilets. Like, this is amazing. And then they still do the turn and shoot. Yeah. And, like, you still get all of that James oh Bond fanfare that you expect and want. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that... Uh, strikes me the most because I did like um, License to Kill. It was yes. it was pretty good. I liked it quite a bit. I I and the thing is, once you watch more of the older ones, you're gonna appreciate it more because you're gonna see the direction they were going in. It had that thing that gives me pause. Okay, which is James Bond. I'm gonna describe a scene. Okay, exactly as it happens. James Bond gets into a boat with a woman who he has maybe spent two minutes with and they're talking and all of a sudden they're flirting and then they're making out and every time this happens it happened in specter where he finds monica bellucci who's a widow a fresh widow like her husband just died Mm -hmm. and he macks on her like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and every time it happens in a James Bond movie, I always roll my eyes. I'm like, really? That's one of the things I liked about Casino Royale is that he doesn't really do that. He has his relationship with Ava Green. Ava Green isn't one of three women yeah. that he sleeps with over the course of the movie. And going off of what you're saying, I that's what made me appreciate that scene where he seduces that guy's wife mm-hmm. and then just leaves her. Yeah. And it's like... He just left her yeah. on the floor with champagne and caviar and just poof, gone. Yeah, he's ready. gone. She's ready for it. He's like, no, I'm gone. But that, that was one of those things that kept coming up was James Bond seducing women. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. He, d- I mean, yeah. I mean. It was a little old fashioned. 
It's very old-fashioned. It was a little old-fashioned. It, it felt very much like the Connery-style James Bond. Which, you know, it's, again, we talk about hallmarks of the character. One of the hallmarks of the character is that he is a dog. Yes. He sleeps around constantly. Yes. That's like his modus operandi of how he does things as he sleeps around. But that's what made me appreciate And, and honestly, a lot of friends of mine or people I used to work with who were big James Bond fans were not as big a fan of the of Daniel Craig because they got away from a lot of those tropes. Mm-hmm. And the one thing with Daniel Craig's, with the linear storyline, is you get to see from the beginning of Casino Royale to No Time to Die is his actual character development, yeah. which is in zero other James Bond movies. There yeah. is no character development, any of them. He actually goes to Vesper's grave in the last episode. Yeah. It, it, like, it, it ties off really nicely. Yeah. And I won't lie, there were elements of it that made me laugh, where like they've spent three movies now, something like that, trying to set up Spectre yeah. as this whole thing. And then Rami Malek kills everyone in one minute, yeah. and Spectre's gone. It's just gone. It's done. It's we're done. That's them saying, hey, that last movie sucked. We just got to wipe it yeah. off the map. So it's just like, it was just funny that like yeah. th- three movies of planning, like nine and, years. And that's what's so good about that last movie with the character development of Bond with his girlfriend and their child he finds out he has. I actually didn't really like Remy Malik. I thought he was kind of a throwaway villain. Yeah. I didn't think he was bad, but it was kind of throwaway. But it didn't matter because the development of Bond throughout that movie was so good. And the action scenes were so great. That it's like, I don't really need a good villain. There's already a MacGuffin in the story in this virus that <clears throat> M has helped develop yes. in secret that gets, what do you know, stolen. So th- there's already a MacGuffin in, in the body of the story. But Rami Malek himself is kind of MacGuffin yeah. of the story. Where he's just this thing that all of everybody is trying to get to. Yeah. And then he really doesn't necessarily, he gets in like, one fight with James yeah. Bond. And then he gets dispatched like quickly. Quickly. Yeah. And and he gets the better of James Bond in in his own way, mm. but he gets his ass kicked. Yeah. And there's no two ways around it. He's not he's not winning this fight. Yeah. He was fine, but I agree with you. The thing that really drove me through mm. this movie was James Bond, his development, his own cuz like he he's one of those characters you don't expect to have a lot of heart. And then when he has heart, you're like, "Wow." dude actually has feelings about things yeah and this was one of the movies that really captured that of just like when he meets his daughter and he sees that it's like he knows oh instinctually as, oh, soon yeah. as, he he knows as soon as he sees her and even when um uh, uh madeline says it's not your daughter uh he's like are you died are you sure yeah he knows she's lying. are you sure yeah, he knows she's lying. um and it's but he doesn't do that thing that so many action heroes do where they run away from fatherhood. Mm-hmm. He like fully embraces it in his own weird James Bond way where he's making breakfast for her the next day and he's he's trying to take care of her and he's not like warm and cuddly, but he's like this approachable bear. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you gotta be careful with him. He's a yeah. bear. But he's approachable. You, you can give him head pats. He's alright. And and in reality, I gotta say out of the five Daniel Craig Bond movies, there were only two good villains. Lashif was incredible. Perfect. Perfect. And Silva. Yeah. Raul Silva. Those two, all the other villains, not good. Yeah. Especially well, with Chris Elvats. Like, I was disappointed on how that one turned out. That was one of those Because he's one of my favorite actors. Where, like, they wanted so desperately for mm. him to be 
the Joker to James Bond's Batman. Yes. But the thing about the Joker and Batman are that they are not on an even ground. Batman's highly trained. Joker's kind of a, a drunk fighter. Mm. But the Joker can take a lot of damage. And Batman can deal a lot of, a lot damage. of damage. So it's like these two sides of a coin mm. where when they fight, they each have their own prerogatives. But you can see either of them winning. Yes. And none of these guys. No. In a, in a hand-to-hand fight... None of these guys are beating James Bond. No. None of these guys. That's one of the things I like about the Chief. Yeah. Is that he is desperate. He's he's a desperate against the wall. Yes. And he is trying everything to get out of the hole he's dug for himself. I will say that is one of the weak points of Casino Royale is that they kind of just lop off that storyline. Yes. Is that Bond gets saved by some person who storms into the room and shoots Le Chief, and then he wakes up in a hospital and you're like yeah. Wait, 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 wait. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings, where it's like they had two endings. You're yeah. Like, wait a second. No, wait a minute. No, no. Wait a minute. But, but we were all yeah. doing a thing, and it was building something. But James I love Bond's nuts were getting destroyed. And like the scenes when they're in the hotel, and Lashif and his girlfriend are getting attacked by the the I can't remember what country they're, they're from. Pirates. Well, the guys that had given their money to Lashif and yeah. he had lost, and they wanted their money back. He's just a coward. Yeah. Like he's not going to fight, and it's like, yeah, thank you, like. Because they had the guy in, in Quantum of Solace, yeah. who was a tiny weakling, but they had him trying to fight Bond. It's like, no, dude. Yeah, and he, like, they did a whole hand-to-hand fight together. And I was like, Bond would have destroyed schmuck. him in a second. This French smuck doesn't stand a no, goddamn not chance. Not a chance. And even chance. Silva, it, he never really has a hand-to-hand fight with no. Bond. It's more of, like, a psychological and then with weapons. Well, and his whole prerogative isn't Bond. It's M. M. Yeah. And so Bond is this wall standing in front of M that Silva has to either climb or go through. Mm-hmm. And he decides to go through it. <laughs> Which, I tell you, I love Skyfall. I do love it. It's it, To me, it's not as good as, as, as Casino Royale. But I, love I would Skyfall. agree with that. I would agree with that. And I wish one thing would have happened. That they had talked... Originally, they had thought to do this. Because it was... I think it was, the, wasn't it the 50th anniversary or something like that yeah. when that movie came out? It yeah. was like a big deal. They had the old car back in the movie. Originally, Kincaid, the keeper of the grounds of mm-hmm. Bond's family, they originally were going to get Sean Connery. Which makes sense. And I was like, and they're like, well, we thought continuity. I'm like, no! Screw continuity! You guys don't have continuity. No! Like, I get it. Pierce Brosnan's M was also Judy Dench. Blah, blah, blah. There's not continuity here. There's no continuity here. Like, the, the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. At the end of it, when Matt Smith is sitting in the the um, gallery and Tom Baker walks in, yeah. I wasn't like, oh, Tom Baker was a Doctor Who. That could have been. It's like, no, dude. Yeah. That was amazing. That made that show. I almost started crying. I was so amazed. Yeah. If you would have heard Sean Connery's voice and him with a beard. You know, obviously it's not James Bond. Come out, it, you would just be like, "Yeah, oh my god!" It would be great fan service. That would have been incredible. Like yeah. that would have been. And I do love Albert Finney, and I think he did a great job. As he King did King. a great job. But I just wish they would have figured that out. It would have been that better. Been, that would have been great. Yeah. I know he's retired. I know he's been retired yeah. since League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Which, like, remember League of Extraordinary? Oh God, Gentlemen. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, he did voice. James Bond in two video games after that. Oh, yeah? They made two, I think they were 
PS3 uh-huh. and Xbox 360. Sounds about right time. And they, he voiced the characters like 007 Legends, I think, was one of them. And the other one was The Spy Who Loved Me or something like that. They made that as a game. And oh, I do them. remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, uh, wasn't one of them from Russia with Love? From Russia with Love, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, God damn, I wish they could have got him. Yeah. Because be it was a short... I mean, he wouldn't have had to have done a lot. He would have been, been like on set for days. like two, yeah, two or three days. Yeah. Uh, and you would have been able to take part in James Bond's own version yeah. of Home Alone. That would have been great. That would have been great. Yeah. So now I'm kind of wondering, because we're going to have to talk about New Bond. Well, they say at the end, James Bond will return. Oh, yeah. No, they're going to cast a New Bond. Yeah. I will not be satisfied unless it's one of two actors. Okay. Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Idris Elba. Idris Elba's number one in my book. See, I want... I, I was pondering this. I want someone who's a little, A, younger, and mm. B, a little less well-known, and th- take that with a grain of salt when I well, give you the name that I'm going to give you. Okay. John Boyega. No. John Boyega could be a really interesting Bond. I don't like a street think he level has bond. the suaveness, though. Because, like, Daniel Craig, he was a brute, mm-hmm. but when he needed to be suave, he could be suave. Mm. I don't think John Boyega could pull that off yet. I don't know if it's just his age, mm-hmm. or every time I see him, I think about Attack the Block, which is a phenomenal movie. It's so movie. good, yeah. Um, I don't it know. Would, it would get a little Kingsman-y if he yeah. was, if he that's was kind of like would, from Attack the yes. Block. Yes. Yeah. To me, though, I've 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 been a massive fan of Idris Elba for a long time, especially when. Did you ever see Luther, the TV show? I've seen know? parts of it. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. And it's like. You know, it would be similar to a Roger Moore thing because Roger Moore was older when he took it over. But the difference is, is Idris Elba is built yeah. to play Bond. It's true. And honestly, since I want to say it was after Skyfall was the first time that Craig had kind of thrown out feelers that he might be ready to end. That was when because Skyfall was going to be the was last. Definitely one. like. I don't want to ever do this again. It'll yeah, make me sick. I'm done. Ever since then, I was like, God damn it, I really want to Elba. Because yeah. I, something about him, he has the suaveness, he has the physicality, he is older. But to go with the age thing, that's why I also threw in Hiddleston. He has the physicality, he has the suaveness, and he's younger. And he could definitely pull it off. And the Bond fans would be happy because he has dark hair again. Yeah. You know, that was always the big thing, which still is dumb it as hell. It doesn't make any sense. But Hiddleston would definitely be... And, you know, you got to throw it out there because he is actually vying for it the same way he vied for Witcher, mm-hmm. which is Henry Cavill. Which, I'll always, I'll follow Henry Cavill I, I, into absolutely. the dark. The passion he puts into things? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every time. I will follow him into any any battle. And. <sighs> Once again, his Mission Impossible is one of the best Mission Impossibles. Oh, like, yeah. Come on. Where he reloads his arm. Reloads his arm. Come on. Music. See, I, the only reason I don't put him in my top two is because I don't know if he would get it mm-hmm. because he is doing like, he's so big into the Witcher, which is a, you know, an arduous shoot. And he is talking about potentially doing Superman again. If there's like a reboot and all that, it's like, I don't know if you could fit bond in there too. Mm-hmm. Cause bond seems like, look at Craig during his run as bond. He only did a few movies here and there because they're massive undertakings. Each film. It's yeah. like, you know, I think he said it's like almost a year of filming for each one. Like, it's yeah. crazy. These things are all two and a half hours long. Yeah. Like, all of them. And they take place in, like, multiple yeah. countries. They, they globetrot yeah. as part of the movie. That's one of the things that you have so, to tick off as a box. I would be giddy if it was Henry Cavill. Yeah. Absolutely giddy. I would be all on board. But then that. his hair would be black, and that's as bad as it being blonde. Yeah. 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 No, I don't care. Um, I will say... 
my favorite thing about the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. What's up? I think every single one of them from Skyfall on begins with him dying. Yes. And taking like a five-year sabbatical. <laughs> and it's like, it just keeps happening. Yeah. And like they get to the point where in this one, Emma's like, oh, we thought you died. And I was like, you mean like the last one where you had a funeral for him? Yeah. Did you have another funeral for him? Or did you just, were you just like, nah, fuck it, we're done with this bullshit. Because he different was hanging end. out in Jamaica. If you yeah. were wondering, it was Jamaica. It was a different end. <laughs> Which, we got to talk about the Adams. Yeah. Who would have thought that throughout some of the shittiest James Bonds being the last ones with Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan Judy Dench is Adam. She's really good She's as Adam, She's really too. fucking good. She's always really good. Yeah. She's continuously really good. But, holy crap. Yeah. I love the way that she talks to Daniel Craig yeah. in Casino Royale. Like, the way that she just dresses him down every time they talk. Yeah. You know, it's like, you see these um, commander-captain kind of situations a lot. Yeah. Where you have, like, Nick Fury and Captain America. And you have two people kind of vying to lead in different directions. Yes. And this is just M being his boss. Yeah. And being, like... You fucking suck at your job. And like in Skyfall, when he bitches at her for shooting him, and mm-hmm. she'd like, I'd tell her to do it again. Yeah. And it's like, that's cold. Yeah. Like, she really doesn't give a shit Yeah, if they die. She knows it's just he's expendable. That's the job. That's I love the job. It. Love it. Yeah. And that, you know, as great as she was, I love Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is really good. And it really, I, I hope and pray he continues on with the next Bond. Because mm-hmm. he is, and it seems like, as he's aging, because he's got to be in his late 50s, early 60s now. At least. That is a perfect role for him. Because he's still part of an action franchise. He's a major component of a classic franchise, but he really doesn't have to do action. Mm-hmm. He just has to be a douchey bureaucrat. And he does it so Yeah, he just well. has to be in a room and be like, don't do that. Yeah. Tell them to wait. <laughs> and he's so, like, his acting is so spectacular that it's like, he's perfect for it. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm curious. I Do you think Lashana Lynch is going to continue the role of James Bond? Well, she wasn't James she Bond. She was 007. She was 007. Which, that's something that really pissed me off with all of the complaining online and from other people I heard in reviews. Oh, they had a black James Bond. It's like, no, dude. She even says it in the movie. 007 is just a number. You're James Bond. Yeah. Well, that was that was one of the funny things that I found about her whole arc. Was, I did like her arc. She I liked, was great. I liked that they, they gave the number to a new agent yes. because, of course, they did. Uh, one of the things that I found funny was that she kept on wanting to rub it in. Yeah, and, which was awesome. And he distinctly did not care. Yeah. <laughs> and he does get that one great moment where he finally comes back and M has him come into the office and he's like, just Bond. And he looks at her and is like, oh, does that upset you? Is, is that upsetting? And it, it's just like... Because he, he... Every time she brings up it's just a number or does that bother you? Yeah. He is totally unfazed. Yeah. He's completely unflapped by the entire thing. And th- this is what I get disappointed with. Because I do admit Hollywood is going a little too far by... You know, and I, 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 I will be the first to admit Hollywood for almost a full century has underutilized females as leads. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. 100% behind more female-driven things. Totally totally behind it. 
they're tr- doing too much of it in a bad way, like the female Ghostbuster movie, to a point where she gets criticized when it's like, if you actually watch her, she was amazing in that role. She's a much better Bond than he is. Yeah, at this stage, and which is great because they play it like that because he's older and broken yeah. and she's younger and healthy. And not only that, but like he, M, goes out of his way to say that she's a better 007 than he was because she shows deference and calls him by the book and and tells him like, Hey, I found this American. Am I okay to kill him? Whereas James Bond's just like, I'm going to fucking kill him. He's going to kill him. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that was the most disappointing thing for me. Cause when I went into watching this movie, all I've heard was negative things about it. I heard, you know, James Bond cries and there's a kid and it's all wishy washy. And there's a female James Bond and blah, 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 blah. After I watched it, I was like, what the hell are all these people watching? This is by far... This is so good. I would argue... I think I like this more than Skyfall. I might. Because I get to the end of Skyfall, and there's just something about the fact that everybody compares it to Home Alone, where you can't unsee it. That's true. That is true. And it's just like... It's one of those things where when you're watching it back, they pull into the Skyfall residence, and you're like, all right, cue the Home Alone music. Let's get ready. Get the paint cans. Um, And and that's not... That's unfair. That's totally unfair to that movie. But there's just something about the plot and the flow of this one that I just, I kind of like more than even Skyfall. Yeah. I think nothing's going to beat Casino Royale. Nothing. Because there's really only like two moments in it that I take umbrage with. Yeah. One being when he's poisoned and his heart stops and he has a defibrillator in his car and he's shocked back to life and he's fine. And I'm just like, first off, dude, you died. Second off, what happened to the poison? The defibrillator didn't get rid of the poison. So like... Yeah, qualms, issues, minor details. Well, then, no, because remember the injection they gave him. It he needed to have his heart, like it it counteracted the poison, mm-hmm. but it stopped his heart, and so he needed to be jump started. Oh, is that back. what it is? So that's what it was. Okay. Um, but they wouldn't have that great line where he said, "Yeah, that last game almost killed me." It's like, dude, that line was awesome. They they do have those cheesy chintzy lines, yeah. even in No Time to Die, where. Uh, yeah, I mean, Q, you got to have some footprint of James Bond. Q calls place. him, and he's like, are you okay? And Bond has just killed the, the Italian Cyclops guy with uh-huh. one eye by using his watch accidentally to fry the eye and blow the guy's head. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I just showed your watch to this guy. It really blew his mind. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn jokes. Ah! But and what made Casino Royale the best is it did have that best line. Where he said, vodka martini, would you like a shake and a stir? Does it look like I give Do a I damn? Like I was like, like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I will say, and it's partially because I'm a mm. big fan, but uh, Ana de Armas gets kind of short shrifted in this movie. She was incredible. She's great for the 10 minutes she's there. Yeah. And I had heard that that was the case. And I am just, I'm going to throw my voice in with everybody else who was deeply disappointed because she was a great character yeah. who I wanted so much more of. I love the the way that she approaches everything where she's constantly kind of like, ah, oh, shit, ah, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. And she's always a little behind and nervous yeah. and looking over her back. The only thing I'll give her credence with is she was, like most Bond movies, you're going to have one or two prime Bond girls and mm-hmm. then the other ones are like tertiary. She just happened to be the tertiary one, which yeah. unfortunately that is because like she has a new Marilyn Monroe movie coming oh, out, which dude. I cannot wait to see. It looks amazing. That looks bonkers. Um, but yeah, no, she was so, like that whole scene yeah. was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. 
Like, it, really good. It was so good. Just watching her do all the gunplay was yeah. so impressive. And just, again, she was just such a charming character. She played off James Bond really well. Yeah. Really, really well. And the two of them had great chemistry. And it was just, it was one of those things where I just, I wish that she had made it into the second act. Yeah. Let alone the third act. That would have been great. Yeah. Because she doesn't make it out of the first act. No. Uh, and that was, that was a bummer. Mm. So, but like, again, I really liked this it movie. It was so good. I really did. And it was like watching your hero who always gets out of deadly situations, get in a deadly situation where he's not getting out of. It was. And you get that realization. Yeah. Like, right, he's not he's getting gonna out die. of this. this yeah, he's going to die. Yeah, and they make it very clear that even if he doesn't die, his life is over. Yeah, because so he can't he touch well anyone die. he loves. Yeah, and and so it's like, oh, he's just going to die. Like, yeah. That's how this one's going to end, is with James Bond dying. And I like that. I loved I, it. I thought that was super fitting. I absolutely loved it. And it, it put a nice little bow on everything. It cleaned yeah. everything up. I thought M's... The toast, uh, I Toast, yeah. I thought M's was toast funny. was good. That was really good. Uh, I like the, the chinking of the, the glass... That that's just on the table for him. Mm. It's like all these little things that I was like, I, so I like this. I like this a lot. The big problem they're gonna have now is Daniel Craig's Bond was so good. Mm-hmm. They're gonna really have to get some A list writers mm-hmm. and directors in, and they're gonna have to, to do something this. interesting. Yes, they can't just do another james bond movie they're no. going to have to come up with some new element of yeah. it and depending on what that new element of it is that's going to be what makes or breaks this and they were saying that they're going to take their time with this i bet them taking their time isn't as much finding a bond as trying to figure out a story what are they going to do because they have to and i think people have gotten used to the linear storyline that they're going to probably have to continue that i would love to see the next james bond be a mini series on hbo Instead of a single movie. That would be cool. That'd be really hip. I'd be, be down really cool. for that. I'd, I'd love to see which we get first. Another X-Men or another James Bond. I think we'll get a Bond way before we get an X-Men. Because yeah. I think any X-Men movie is four years out. Yeah. At the earliest. Where I think we might get a Bond two to three years. Wow, really? Yeah. Because the one thing about these movies with Daniel Craig is they made a butt ton of money. You know what you gotta do? Triple down. Turn James Bond... Into a mutant. Into, basically, uh, turn him into a sci-fi character. Because right now he's solidly in the spy realm. There's sci-fi elements in terms of the gadgets and that kind of thing. But for the most part, there's not really a science fiction base to anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just a spy movie. Have him actually be a Time Lord. Oh, <laughs> Do a loop-in with Doctor Who oh, and have God. a storyline where he's an actual Time Lord. You think, star- you think uh, James Bond fans... Freaked out when he saw the blonde hair. Imagine if he was a Doctor Who doppelganger. Oh my god! I don't even want to think about that. Oh my god! All right, folks. So I that would watch was. It. Yeah, I know you. I'd watch it too. Are you kidding me? That would probably make a fortune amongst the nerds. We'd have a lot to talk about. When oh it came my to god! That. All right, folks. So that was our wonderful episode fifty nine. Once again, we hit the marathon level, which I am actually enjoying. Because the one problem I always had with some of these earlier episodes is I wanted to keep talking. Yeah. And we ended it, and I'm like, dude, I got so much more to talk about, and we're just. Talking about it now. Yeah. We're not even we're not even cutting time. No, no. And uh, I really enjoyed it. This was a great episode. Episode 59 in the books. Uh, once again, NerdPod Generations, you can find us every week. Typically shows are out Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the latest. Because uh, like today we're, we're recording on a Friday. So Al does all the editing because he's incredible. 
a lot of times it's tough to get it done with I know you got some travel going on and all that. I'm gonna be editing in the car yeah. or late into the night tonight. One or the other. Yeah. So we'll we'll get this up soon, folks. Um please don't. Tell friends, tell people. We gotta get the listenership up on this because it's not and it's not a monetary thing for us per se. It's we really are passionate about this mm-hmm. and we love doing this and we really want people to listen to this because the people that have listened to this show really like it. And so to me, I'm like, if we could just get it out there, I think we would be a massive hit. Right now we're doing it for ourselves. Yes. We wanna be able to do it for other people. Exactly. Like we want you and for those of you who are listening, if you want to go on YouTube.com, um, well, we'll give our websites real quick. staylorbooks.com is my personal website. I'm on jutsomstudio.work under the Bronx Division tab. There you go. Either of our websites you can go to, and there is a section to leave comments. Mm-hmm. Let us know what kind of show you want us to do, what topics you want us to hit. Go under YouTube. Go into NerdPod Generations. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. Um, if you like the videos, give it a like. Give us a note. Hit the notification bell. But then leave comments. Let us know... Things you want us to review movie-wise, things you want us to talk about in the show. Because we, you know, we always have a million things to talk about. But if a fan that listens to the show says, I really want you to talk about this, we'll put that other stuff aside. Oh, we, yeah. we put James Bond aside for two months. Yeah, we'll immediately put it yeah. aside. We'll that'll be our next show. We'll if, talk about what you want us to talk if about. If someone is like, I want you to do a deep dive. On Halo, I want you to go back and watch the sex scene oh, in Halo. God, we would watch it. We would do it. We would totally watch we it. We would do it so that we could discuss it in all the But we would details. warn you that it would not probably go the way you would want if oh, you were a fan of it. We would not be happy. <laughs> not at all. Make no bones about no it. No bones. But yeah, you know, the good thing about the two of us is we have almost 80 years of nerd credibility to us combined. Yeah. So we have a wealth of knowledge, and if there are things we don't know, we will look it up and we will research it. I am a big proponent of the idea that if you're going to talk about something, you better know what you're talking about. Exactly. Because it's unacceptable to talk out your ass about something. Yes. And we we do that every now and then. Yeah. But we try to we try to be prepared and talk I as up, legitimately as possible. I looked up Peacemaker before he was in Suicide Squad to be like, who the fuck is Peacemaker? Yeah. 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 And it was John Cena. It was John Cena. It. Um, so there it is, folks. Nerdpot Generations, episode 59. Please, um, you know, once again, pass it on to everyone. Get the word out. Um, and we will hopefully see you next week. Yeah, see you next Unless week. Unless the apocalypse happens. Yeah, we're going to see. We're going to yeah, see. Yeah, fingers crossed. What, what new glories will next episode week Episode 6 us? of Obi-Wan will just melt down the grid. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to crash the entire eastern seaboard. <laughs> yeah. Oh see God. you later, folks. Bye. I have friends and enemies. Bye.